Howdy, 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 and good afternoon. My name is Josh, coming to you with Logan from JR Heller Real Estate and Mortgage. And today we're gonna to talk about the life cycle and the sales process of purchasing a property. Yeah. Hey guys, what's going on? Logan here. Um, sitting here with Josh. Wanted to dive in here and figure out how we can give you guys the information to be successful when it comes to home buying. Um, realistically, a lot of home buyers will reach out to an agent first off. Um, they usually give them a quick call. Hey, looking to start buying a house. Um, and as anybody in the industry knows, you need to have some sort of proof of funds, proof of qualification, pre-approval to be able to get started in your market. Um, so we always then guide them to a bank, a lender, or a mortgage broker. Um, typically a lender or mortgage broker is gonna be your best bet because not only do they typically have more options to shop through on the broker side, but then second to that, they will pick up their phone at, let's say seven o'clock at night when you go see a property that you love and you wanna put an offer in that night. Banks work bank hours. So Josh can dive into what it looks like on the pre-approval side and pre-qualification and kind of the steps for that because realistically, me on the real estate side, I can't really start showing you properties or it would really be a waste of time for me to show you properties, not only for my own time's sake, but your time's sake. Um, because once we get the finances back, let's say you can't afford the home, we just wasted how much time going and seeing properties and finding out that you can't even afford it to begin with, whether that be from a debt to income standpoint or a credit score standpoint. So take it away, Josh. Yeah, correct. So um, I'll speak on that brief. The differences between you know a mortgage broker and a lender or a retail bank. So a lot of people think that because mortgage brokers are middlemen and we don't work directly for the bank, that we're somehow going to cost them money or that it's not as good as going direct to a bank because it'll cost more. Well, the reality is, is nationwide mortgage brokers actually save the consumer an average of $10,000 per closing. The reason for that is that most retail banks, they have to have a huge sales force and a huge support force. And so they have a ton of fees that they basically need to build into the interest rate and build into the loan to pay for all of those things. What wholesale mortgage banks do is they partner with mortgage brokers and therefore they don't have to have a huge loan officer sales team to push their product. They leverage mortgage brokers. So the cost actually gets saved in the interest because they don't have as much overhead. So that's just a quick um, kind of lesson for you on the mortgage versus the retail world. Um, the other side of it is as well is that we work with a number of different lenders, which means even if you don't fit in the traditional Wells Fargo box of a 740 credit score and needing to put 10,000 down or a 10% down or whatever their guidelines are, we work with banks that accept all the way down to a 500 FICO on a manual underwrite. That is something that a Wells Fargo or a retail bank will never do. So we are actually able to shop all of these different lenders that we work with and put you in the best product for where you're financially at. Note that I wanted to make there as well, again, making my life easier and whoever you're working with's life easier. Typically, these realtors that you're working with or these real estate agents or brokers that you're working with 
have a personal relationship with that mortgage broker or that lender. Correct. So not only will they answer the phone in the evening when you're going to see a property that you love and you want to put an offer in that night, but we do business together on a regular basis. Um, so there's that rapport built, you know how everything works and you know that it's going to go, get done smoothly and efficiently. And for us, uh, even going further on that, Logan, for us in particular, because we are a mortgage and real estate brokerage, we're actually able to keep everything in house and that makes the process even easier because everybody is within one central location, one business, and we all know what's going on and it makes the process very smooth and easy. By no means do you need to use us both um, for both services if you choose not to, but we prefer it and I think you would understand why because it makes the process a, a whole lot smoother, right? So. Okay, so what happens is you come to me after Logan. I'll shuffle you along to Josh. I'll, I'll yep. give, give him the handoff because realistically, I can't do anything until you're pre-qualified. I can get you set, set up with a, a search on the MLS and kind of start showing you properties online, but until we go out shopping, it isn't advantageous for either of us until you are at bare minimum pre-qualified, or if you're a cash buyer, you have some proof of funds. Um, and again, just wanted to throw that disclosure out. I don't always hand off just to Josh. Um, you know, I work with several different local lenders. I do prefer to work with local lenders though, rather than a large bank. Um, but again, we do love keeping everything in house. It just makes the process that much easier. Yep. So once you come to me, what we do is we basically take a look at your whole financial situation and what you're looking to accomplish, right? The home buying process is different for everybody in the regards that everyone is in a different spot financially, credit score wise, you know, what they're looking for, length, term, everything, right? So one box does not fit everyone. There are circumstances where an adjustable rate mortgage actually might make more sense for you than a fixed traditional. And that all comes down to the borrower and the positioning, right? So what we do is we will gather all that information. We'll have you fill out a loan application. That allows us to be able to pull your credit scores, your three FICO scores. It allows us to then see where your income to debt ratio looks like. And basically, we will take all that information and work up to get you a pre-qualification. And once you are pre-qualified, we'll be able to tell you exactly what your rate looks like, what your down payment would look like, what your mortgage payment monthly looks like, and we'll suggest the best loan product for you at that time. And a quick note here, again, going back to the real estate side of things, even though you may be pre-approved or pre-qualified for, let's say, a $350,000 house, that may not be within your means on what you're looking to budget on a monthly scale, unless you have more money to put down to make your payment lower um, and get rid of potentially mortgage insurance, depending upon what product you're going with. Um, so realistically, you don't always want to go with your max pre-approval um, because it might put you into a bind financially. That's why whenever I'm working with any of my buyer clients, I want to make sure that they know the numbers up front on any properties that we're thinking about going to see. Because again, with the time saving, neither of us want to waste our time going to see a property and then find out after the fact, oh yeah, I really like it. Let's run the numbers on that. What am I looking at on a monthly and what am I looking at out of pocket? and well, that's way beyond your means and not something that you're looking to do. We want to make sure that you know what you're doing up front and you have the, you know, 
the, the sheet to, to look at and be comfortable with. Well, and honestly, I will say most times we basically build the loan around what your desired monthly payment looks like, not what you're fully qualified for. Because most people, when they're filling out the loan application, they have an idea of where they want to be monthly. And so a lot of times, in fact, people's debt to income is around a 30, 34% with where they want to be on a monthly payment. But in reality, we could stretch them up to a 43% on a max pre-approval. So we kind of usually work backwards from where somebody is capable of to where they actually want to be monthly. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually my preferred range to get somebody a pre-approval. And I know the numbers, when I say debt to income, you're just taking your income and dividing it by your monthly expenses basically it comes up with your debt to income it's a ratio gross, gross. gross not after taxes gross so typically what i see is we get somebody approved around a 30 34 percent debt to income obviously like i said most loan programs we can get we can push you up to a 43 that's like kind of the max and some programs you can even go up to a 50 but that's not suggestible that means that 50 percent of your income before taxes is going to towards a mortgage payment and that's what we call house poor that's so right. i would definitely not uh, advise that. Anyhow. Do you want to touch ahead. on the difference between W-2 employees and self-employed? Sure. Yeah, sure. So um, there's a different set of documents and, and needs, conditions that will need to be met if you are a W-2 versus a self-employed 1099 um, contractor, basically, or business owner. Um, and the differences are if you are a W-2 employee, we need at least two years work history it does not mean you need to be at the same job for two years. It means you need to have been in the same industry for at least two years for us to be able to count that income towards your debt to income. Um, so what that looks like is we just need a set of W-2s. We'll ask for two years tax returns. The tax returns don't matter as much if they differ in um, income as much as your W-2s look like, right? Okay. And that you have steady income. And the differences then again, too, are even if you're a W-2, but a lot of your income is derived from commissions and not from regular hourly salary, that's going to change how we can calculate your income as well. That's an employee. When we go over to business owners or 1099s, what we primarily look for is your last two years in tax returns. We're going to take the average income of the last two years, and that's going to be your income. So even if you gave yourself a $50,000 bonus last month, that we can't count that as income. We don't know that that's going to be guaranteed to continue, right? So we got to take the average of your last two years in taxes, and that's how we come up with your income. So that's kind of the differences between an employee and a business owner or a 1099 as far as documentation and, and how we can derive what your income looks like. So I, once you get set up with uh, Josh or whoever you're working with on the lending side, um, then we can start shopping. So we have a, a guideline now as to what you can afford within your means, what you're looking for exactly. I get the criteria of what you need, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, if you need central air, what area you want to be in, this, that, and the other thing go out, start shopping, start to find properties that we like, and we start putting in offers on properties that you, you want to live in, purchase. Yep. Um, once we get an offer accepted, then you can go back to Josh, yep. whoever you're working with, and he can dive in on that. And real quick, uh, I want to touch on a pre-qualification versus a pre-approval and what that process looks like and what it looks like specifically for us in-house, right? So when we get you pre-qualified, that's you filling out your online loan application, us building it up, us saying, okay, you, met the, you, you fit the criteria for this loan product. At that point, 
you are a pre-qualified borrower. Now, we have not collected docs from you. We have not gotten all of the needs that we need to get you a full pre-approval. This is when on the pre uh, the application, you need to be as transparent and honest as possible because this is where things can get a little hairy for all of us. If you go and put a offer in only pre-qualified and Josh hasn't gotten documents and they don't align with the information that you had provided. Correct. And there could be information on there that's so small that you would never think even matters, but it does, especially when it comes to underwriters and banks. So you cannot, emphasis on cannot, go shopping until we actually have a true pre-approval. Um, and so what we ask for is you're pre-qualified now. What happens is we pass you on to our loan officer assistant and her job, and specifically her name is Tiffany, and her job is to gather all of the docs from you to get a full pre-approval. So what we look for is, it, is getting those docs to her within at least five days of getting your pre-qualification. And once we have those docs in-house, we can match up all the information that's on those documents along with what you had on your online loan application and once we can mix those two and say, yes, everything checks, we look good, you are pre-approved, okay? And then we can pass you to Logan to go start shopping. That's when you do the shopping. But as Logan mentioned, once you do find the property you want and we are under contract, the next step- Meaning the offer got accepted. Under contract means offer got accepted is the next step is we'll get a copy of that agreement and we will start the underwriting process. So what happens is we will package all of the loan information along with the agreement of sale, and we will send that or submit it over to underwriting at the bank for them to start looking at your file and getting prepared for a clear to close. Yeah, and so while they're working on that with you, I'm gonna be working with our inspector if we, there are any inspections on the offer and making sure that the property is in sound condition. So while they have their own process through the appraisal and their own you know, quote unquote inspection process to make sure that it's suitable housing and you know checks the boxes for whatever products you have, whether it's you know a conventional USDA, FHA, whatever the case may be, um, we might want to do a home inspection ourselves, which would be negotiated in the agreement of sale when we submit our offer. So if they accept our offer in its current condition and we wanted to get a home inspection done and you know wood infestation inspection done, we would send in an inspector, your choice. I have ones that I work with regularly um, that I would recommend to you, but ultimately your decision on who you want to work with, we send them in and typically that contingency period is about seven to 14 days. Um, and we would knock that out right away to make sure that, hey, this is a property that we actually want to move forward in purchasing. Yep. Yep. And so just as he elaborated on, once that goes into underwriting, the underwriters take a look at that file and they basically come up with conditions or needs that we'll need to fill to be able to get work towards a, a clear to close. One of them can, those conditions or needs immediately is going to be nine times out of 10 an appraisal. Um, there are instances where you can actually get appraisal, appraisal waivers where you don't need an appraisal. Um, they're not very common, but it does happen. There's a whole different criteria for that. Um, so most of the time, we're going to need an appraisal from the bank. And basically, you will pay for that up front. That's going to be your only cost up front other than your deposit and your inspection fees if you so de decide to get an inspection. 
um, but an appraisal. So you'll pay for the appraisal and basically the bank will set a uh, appraiser to go out to the property, take a look at it and make sure that the value is in line with the purchase price. Yeah, you made a good point there. I did not mention that there is typically an earnest money deposit, basically saying that you're ready, willing and able to move forward in the process and yet you are planning on purchasing this property. Now, obviously things come up with inspections or maybe throughout the loan process that would you know, prevent you from purchasing that property. But that good faith deposit or that earnest money deposit is to say, hey, I am secure and I am looking forward to moving moving forward and purchasing this property. Um, that can ranges in, you know, that again, that's negotiated with the agreement of sale. It can go anywhere from, you know, $50 all the way up to, you know, 10 plus thousand, you know. And super good point in there with your agreement of sales. There's a couple of things when you're getting a loan that you absolutely must have in contingencies on that agreement. One of which being a mortgage contingency. You want to make sure that there's not going to be, you're not going to be held liable to uh, try and purchase the property if for whatever reason during underwriting something pops up and we have to issue a denial you don't want to be on the hook or not be able to get your earnest money back because you didn't have a mortgage contingency clause on the agreement of sale and Logan knows all that good stuff and any good realtor would know that stuff um, the other one being an appraisal contingency, right? Because again, the bank is going to require the appraisal contingency. There's ways to get out of that if you don't have that on there. Because basically, if you don't have, if you're unable to get an appraisal, then you're unable to get the loan, and then obviously that kicks the mortgage clause in. So, correct. Technically, correct. you could get out of it, but it's always a good idea to have that appraisal contingency as well, Definitely right? Um, and to touch on the appraisal, if you're a cash buyer, you don't need to get an appraisal done, but it's still recommended. Correct. Yeah. You know, obviously that appraisal is there to really it protects the bank and it protects you, right? The bank's not going to loan you money on a, on a property that isn't valued at what the purchase price they is. They need to secure their investment. Correct. Realistically, you are an investment to them. They're yes. giving you money and getting a return on whatever your interest rate is, whether it's adjustable or fixed. Yes, correct. So yeah, so that's uh, what that process looks like. And then basically once we get the appraisal back, and once we get the all of the needs or conditions fulfilled, um, and during this process too, I should mention, um, basically once, once we have the needs list from underwriting, um, our loan processor will be reaching out and basically telling you and updating you where we are in the loan process, uh, when the appraisal has been ordered, when it's due back, um, any of those conditions or documents that she requires during underwriting, she'll reach out. Um, so she'll be working with you uh, alongside that. But once we have all of those conditions met, appraisal's back, appraisal number looks good, inspections look good, you've done all your negotiations, then we can issue a clear to close. Yep. And then once you have the clear to close, then it's just a matter of time until you, typically you'll always have a settlement date already set up because we already have title open um, and they did their search and made sure that there's no liens on the property or anything like that. And then you're off to settlement. Yep. And then at settlement, change of exchange of keys and money and a bunch of paperwork signed and yep. got a new property. And another important note on that with uh, settlement is if you are renting, if you're a renter or for whatever reason, um, most of the time your mortgage payment's not going to be due for two months from when your close date is. It depends a little bit on when you close within the month, but Typically, you're not going to have a mortgage payment on your new purchase for two months. So this allows people that are, say, renting um, to pay the rent, close on the property, right? Keep paying the rent for the, that last month, move out, 
and not have a mortgage payment on top of that rent payment until the next month, right? So that this allows for some some maneuvers there because the last thing you obviously want is to have to buy a property and move out of your apartment the same day. Yeah. <laughs> That's a logistical nightmare. And, and the reason why you don't have that payment is because it's included at closing. Correct. So you take care of that, including at the closing cost, which you are aware of those numbers up front before you even make an offer on the property. Yep. It, it's estimated, but yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's basically the life cycle of purchasing a property. You know, there's lots of minute details in there, but you know, that's the overall kind of, um, 360 foot view of purchasing a property. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the most important part really is just finding a good professional that you trust, um, and working with them and then they'll guide you along the way. So yep. that's typically why a lot of, uh, you know, consumers will reach out to a realtor or a real estate broker first because they don't really know what they don't know. Um, and then it's our job to kind of guide you through the process. And, you know, we have the connections with the, the lenders and the mortgage brokers and making sure that you're set up for success. Absolutely. Um, and, and another thing that I talk to a, a lot of my clients about, and I alluded to this in other videos, you want to make sure that you start the process sooner than later. Last thing you want to do is say, oh, I'm saving up until I have, you know, X amount in the bank, whatever amount it is. And you finally hit that number and then you find out, well, your debt to income is out of whack or your credit isn't where it needs to be. Yep. I mean, if you're thinking about buying a property in the next, I would say even maybe two years, yep. um, I would reach out to somebody and, get, you know, have those conversations and get a, set up for success. So that way, when that time comes, you can pull the trigger on whatever you like. Well, and the importance of that is twofold, right? One being, you know, doing an online loan application and having a conversation with us no way binds you to have to get a loan or to continue with the process. Um, it's completely free. It doesn't cost you anything. We don't charge a loan application. Um, we pay for the credit report. We do have to pull credit, obviously, to get you a pre-approval. But there's no cost to you, right? So have that conversation. Even if you're thinking about, like Logan said, a year or two years down the road, start the process as, as soon as possible because there might be things we need to work on. And if we can work on those things, then we can meet those those timelines or thoughts that you have in your head um, and, and get rid of any problems that may arise before we're under the gun and absolutely have to, right? So feel free to reach out. The other side, number two being, it's important to note that um, most of the time, the buyer's agent gets paid off the seller side, off the listing. So technically, there is no cost to you um, because the seller is paying for that. On my side, as a mortgage broker, I get paid from the lender. So you, it doesn't, you don't have any money out of pocket going to me. So we're essentially working for free for you. Um, so there's absolutely no reason not to reach out or not to use our services or our expertise because at the end of the day, it, it doesn't cost you anything. It just saves you from a lot of headaches. Yep. I tell everybody, uh, whether it be anybody in the office or any of my clients, you know, I'm a resource. Use me. Yep. Um, and then second to that is the only time that any agent would come back and say, hey, are you able to pay me anything is if you weren't able to negotiate with a for sale by owner. Typically, for sale by owners don't play nicely with realtors. That's why they didn't hire one. Um, so they uh, typically want to keep as much of the sale price in their pocket as possible. Again, if you work with a good realtor and they do a great job, typically they can negotiate some sort of compensation and then they any good performing realtor isn't going to come back to you for anything. Um, but realistically, if that seller is not budging and you as a buyer really love that house, 
there is some sort of compensation due. Um, now, is it that full percentage that you signed on? Probably not, but you know, some sort of compensation would be due at that point. Um, but that's a very rare circumstance. And yeah. I have, in my career over four years now, I have not ran into that one time where I wasn't able to um, make ends meet with the, the seller and receive some sort of compensation for br bringing a ready, willing, and able buyer. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, that's the information on purchasing a property. If you have any interest and would like to have an idea of what you could be pre-approved for, and you know take the next steps, please reach out. We're always here. You can go to jrheller.mortgage to start your online loan application. You go to jrheller.realtor to start looking at properties nearby and set up your search criteria. Um, but yeah, other than that, thank you very much. If you got any value out of today's video, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And we'll be sure to do some more videos of value and information to you guys. Yeah, happy to help, guys. Take Absolutely. Care. Take care.